Hey everybody, welcome to the Thematic Podcast. This is a series that we're doing called Conversations in Contrast. And my guest today is the one and only Kirsten Jones mm. from Portland, Oregon. And um, in case you don't know what this is, Conversations in Contrast was birthed from this idea that we're living in a, in a time, specifically on social media, where people are putting their best foot forward and mm -hmm. the best face forward, which is not a bad thing, but I think sometimes we're unintentionally training the generation that everybody else's life is perfect. And we all know that my life is not perfect. And we look at leaders, influencers, pastors, amazing people that are doing great things. And we think, man, I don't know if I could ever do that. They must have it all going on. But what I found is that most of the time when there's people doing amazing things, it's not because they have a perfect life. It's because they've been bought, brought through something um, sometimes some deep pain that God's brought them mm -hmm. through and made them the man or the woman that they are that's now successful. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways, Kirsten, that I'm kind of framing this is like if somebody, let's say a 16-year-old rolled up to King David when he was at his peak, the king, everything's great, has the, the, the palace and all that, and they're like, well, yeah, look at you. Your life's amazing. Right. Yeah, you're the king. You have it all. And he's like, oh, son, let me... Let me tell you about 15 years of, of running yeah. my life. And so there are seasons that sometimes people don't see, struggles that people don't see. And so we're going to, in this podcast, uh, hashtag fight the filters. I love it. I love it. Pull back the curtain on pain. Not to elevate the negative, right? but to elevate the story of health that, that came through the negative, the struggle, the dark night of the soul. And so... Um, Today's guest and Kirsten, this is how I'm gonna introduce you. I, <laughs> I um, I know that you have probably like a, a bio that's professional and mm -hmm. all of it's amazing and true, and uh, curated. But the way that I wanted to introduce each of my guests is, if I can, just like, th and I know you guys, full transparency, we've we've known these guys for almost ten years, but through the lens of the way that maybe some quote-unquote normal person would view you from afar, mm -hmm. either through social media or you're a pastor at a church, maybe somebody that you're not necessarily close with, but they see you and they're like, what would they normally think? Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, we are filming this in Shalom, the mobile podcast studio. <laughs> and, awesome. and I'm saying this because we're, we're hearing a, an airplane go overhead right now because we're right in the shadow of PDX Airport in the Portland. Best. <laughs> the best. And so if you hear generators come on or airplanes fly over or my kids who we're are not in a jet. Yeah, we're <laughs> literally in a camper and my kids are laying in on, on their beds playing games. So but this is what this is where we're doing it. Um, so if you hear the background, no, background noise, forgive us. But so this is how I want to introduce you. If uh, if I didn't know like a ton about you and I just saw you from afar, I would say, wow, who is this woman of God? Mm. She's a, a pastor to church. She's a preacher in her own right. She's married to the most dreamy, yeah. amazing, Aussie husband that I've <laughs> ever met. Hello. <laughs> Dylan, I love you, buddy. We we got we got back set Jessica Brown and Dylan. Uh when when my lead pastor first talked about you guys and we were inviting Dylan out to preach at a youth camp, he said, He eats from the tree of life. Mm, yeah. And I loved that description and I found it to be true of both of you. So, so you are a pastor, you're a preacher, um, at a, at a, by the way, one of the biggest churches in Portland, you're an author, mm -hmm. 
you have an amazing, beautiful family. Every every human in your family four is, children. is <laughs> four, four <laughs> kids. You're like doing everything. And so I think, you know, so many people look at your life and say, wow, the stages you've stood on are big stages with prestige, you know, from afar. It's like, wow, could I ever? And so I don't know, you know, how you view your life. Um, but all of that from afar is like they've got it all going on with the home life, with the marriage, with the mm-hmm. kids, with the ministry, with the success, with the book, all of those things. So either is your life just absolutely perfect? It is. <laughs> I knew it. It is not. Well, podcast it is, is over. <laughs> That's a wrap. Emphasis on the not. Not. Yeah, it's not because... Just like most people that are doing amazing things, it's because God's brought them them through something. So I want to ask you on whatever theme that you feel you want to talk about, will you talk to us about one of the hardest things, one of the darkest things, one of the most painful things, maybe you call it the dark night of the soul, something that you've been through in your life, the making of a woman of God, what has brought you to this place now of what I would call success and a beautiful life, but but what has gotten you here? Hmm. I actually, you know, you were um, describing someone saying, hey, 16-year-old talking to, you know, David, your life seems perfect. I actually, a couple years ago, was at a camp and um, ministering to someone, and uh, someone was like, you know, what do you have to say? Like, your life is perfect. And I literally wanted to laugh. They said that to you. Yes. They're like, have you ever gone through anything hard in your life? Like, you've had it made. And I'm like... Oh, honey, if we could sit down yeah. forever. So this is now, you know, our, our sit down. So um, whoever that was, yes, <laughs> here's yes. your answer. I'm going to give you all the stuff. <laughs> um, no, I, if I look back on my life, you know, even um, what I would say is the graciousness of God, but truly how I, I've seen firsthand in my life, how he brings beauty from ashes, because there was a major season in my life where mm, everything was on fire, where it was like, the rubble of my life, you know, it was a little over 20 years ago. Um, you know, I grew up in church, was a PK pastor's oh, kid, okay. right? You know, parents Where were um, over in Washington, small little church, Aberdeen. Yeah. Aberdeen, Washington. Washington. Okay. Yep. I didn't know yep. that. Mm-hmm. Tiny, tiny little place, couple stoplights. Um, How big was the church? Just a little small town church? Yeah, maybe I would say 150. I was little Okay, then. So but it's you're like the pastor's daughter. Pastor's smallish, daughter. Smallish. I mean, actually, it's actually a pretty big church, in, but yeah. smallish church. Yeah. So, like, everybody knows your business. Everybody. Everybody's judging, you know, oh, yeah. how are you? Yeah. Behavior. Okay. You're highlighted everything. Okay. At that, that age, I didn't really recognize it, but now I understand. Um, and so, you know, a pastor's kid for 10 years, very, um, you know, always went to church, had a great home life, all that. And then hit a significant season. Um, my father had a very significant moral failure and Uh you know, it's obviously by, by the grace of God, like there has been redemption. There has been like the the hand of the Lord and seeing God redeem that situation, redeem him and my mom's marriage. Like it's been, it is such a a ministry to be able to watch God, how he worked through that. And even my parents sharing their story and helping other people has been beautiful. But if, if I rewind 20 plus years, I was, I was a young girl and you go how, from about how old at that season? 13, 14, 15. Okay. Yeah. Formative years. Yes. Very formative years. Um, so you go from, uh, I was also homeschooled for majority of that. You go from like living your life in the church and you go to youth group and you go to church and you have homies in your church and you have this idea of like, not just of your parents, you have this idea of like pastors and like 
what it is to be a strong believer in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then in moments, I remember the conversation. I, I remember sitting in the room. I remember the whole conversation and I just remember like my life crumbling. Everything was shattered. Everything I thought I knew about God. I thought I knew about safety. I thought I knew about just what a great family life looked like my whole, even like the shaking of God, like God, how could you allow this to happen? Like I'm sitting here, this, all this information is unfolding. And I just remember like shutting down and going numb and, and almost being like, I've, I've been living a dream. Like that wasn't real, like Christian life, all of that. It made you question the reality of everything to that point. Yes, absolutely. And so it was, um, it was one of the most, I mean, hands down, even from now, it was the most significantly painful season of my life. And here's the thing about pain is that things, we can do things and things can be done to us, but we still have a responsibility of how we handle that pain. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, being at such a young age, uh, those formative years, um, again, as a, a pastor's daughter, all this stuff, my, my understanding of God and everything was so shattered. I didn't handle that season right at all. I went from loving the Lord, um, being in the church all the time, like being in his word to all of a sudden, like total rebellion, total rebellion. So even, okay. So at that age, you would say you, it wasn't just that you grew up in church. You would say you loved the Lord. I did. And you were actually reading your Bible as a teenager. Okay. So you were like, it was a real relationship following God, not just my parents made me do it, okay. I, I, but I, it, but it took you down and it just sent you on a different path. Yeah. I mean, and, and just real quick, did you lose, did he lose his job? Um, he had moved our family, um, to be closer to his parents and, and, and it wasn't for a while, six months later that we realized why he stepped down from pastoring. So okay. there was just levels of unfolding okay. of like, oh, now we moved to a new town I and see. we found out and all this stuff. Okay. So, so there it wasn't was multi-layers. that you, yeah, it wasn't that he got caught and then you lost right. your community, but yeah. nevertheless, you still had, you were in a season where you had new town, mm-hmm. new community right. at that age, losing, just losing your friends in general. No church massive. community. So no, no church community. Pastor. And now you find this out about the spiritual leader in your life. Right. Okay. So right. all this sends you on a tailspin. Tailspin. Like... Again, I didn't even have friends that drank or did anything bad. And I never even like, yeah, boys are cute and this and that. And, um, you know, when people talk about, you know, even weeks and months later being like, how did I get here? I mean, it was like zero to a hundred, you know? And so it was, it was a couple years of, um, a lot of hiding, hiding stuff from my family, a lot of, um, brokenness. I was so broken and wounded and didn't work through the pain of, you know, a father pain of, you know, the spiritual role as well. And so obviously when we are broken and we're walking in pain, um, we either try to mask it, numb it, Mm. or we try and find something else that we feel like is going to fill that gap so we don't have to feel that. And so that's what I did. I I went and partied. I went and joined the cheerleader team. I went and got into relationships when, again, I I Mm. knew it's like I I grew up in the understanding where it's like we're not just going to date around for the purpose of dating around. Like let's wait and let's pursue and I was like, Hey, that's what was said. Like, screw that. I'm not, I'm not doing anything that that worked out great for you guys, you know? And so yeah. this utter rebellion, um, mixed with, it came out of the brokenness. Yeah. It came out of pain. It came out of sorrow. I didn't have a church community. Didn't have, I was going to say, were you guys not even attending church at that point? We were, but you know, you have this thing that comes forth in your life yeah. and then it's like, you're going to come into a new church and tell them everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, I, same thing. I, we were asked to go to church as kids, like yeah. invited, you know, at this new town, but I was like, 
I'm not going to let anyone close to me. Sure, yeah. if I'm if I'm being told to come in Sundays, you know. And so you I just kind of went, maybe put on a mask, or just went through the motions. But you're like, this is not. And there would be periods, and this is this is what I remember. It's 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 the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, Craig. There was, there was many times, you know. Um, I, I actually came, you know, from that small town. We would come and drive up to the conference that my husband, like, now, you know, had the ability to help oversee. Thousands of youth, you know, come. As a young person, I actually came up to this conference. And then even during one of those seasons of, like, rebellion in high school, my mom still was like, hey, we're going to pack everyone up and all the kids. We're going to go to, it was called GU Conference. Yeah. And I was like, no, but came up. And I just remember the Lord meeting me, like, um, I, I remember exactly where I was sitting in the back of the church. I remember just in the middle of worship crying and just being like, Lord, I'm living this lifestyle of pain and brokenness. I'm living a lifestyle of like, I, I not even just rebellion against God, but I, I don't want to be doing this stuff. I'm stuck in relationships that are not healthy. I'm stuck in, you know, this cycle of like nothing else to do on the weekend. So you go and you party or you hang out with these people and then you hide it. And I'm like, this isn't who I who I am. And so I, as I look back, I see the Lord continually opening doors saying, Kirsten, this is not who you are. I know you have pain and brokenness. And here's what I- Wait, where were you guys living? Uh, Port Angeles at that time. Port Angeles. Yeah, okay. about two two hours from Seattle. Yeah. So a couple hours. So you from would come down to the GU conference. Yep. You sat in the same room in Rocky Butte mm-hmm, that I that we're that, pastoring that you now. Pastor now. Wild. And that Wild. you guys led that conference. Yes. The two of you yes. and the team for a, a few years. Talk about full circle. So yeah, you know, especially as as young people, but anybody in general. It's like you said, so, some people are doing some of those behaviors because they're looking for a good time. Right. Because they're if, if feeling the flesh, whatever, mm-hmm. like feel good. But you you were running yeah. and you were numbing. Yep. Yeah. Pain. Yep. That was exactly okay. it. But and, and you had really had a relationship with the Lord. This all hits you. The pain is too much to bear. You run. But then there's little glimpses throughout mm-hmm. where the, the Holy Spirit's mm-hmm. still speaking identity yep. to you. Okay. Yeah. And this is where, again, in those seasons, all you can see is what's right in front right. of you. You're you're not thinking clear. You're not like allowing the Holy Spirit to give you hope and life. Like you're just, you might have those little glimpses and those little moments and I would feel the Holy Spirit pulling me back or the reminders of his love or randomly it'd be, I'd be super lonely or down or relationship was this and that, or I'd be, you know, sick of the sin. And so, well, I'm just going to turn on worship music or I guess I'm going to open a Bible or something like that. And so there would be these moments of this softening of this heart and wanting to get back to that. But then again, just feeling like, feeling the shame, feeling the guilt, like all of that stuff. And so it was a couple mm-hmm. years cycle in my life. Um, and here's the thing is that I wasn't able to see then is that God, God has the ability to bring purpose out of pain, but mm-hmm. God can only bring purpose out of pain when that pain is surrendered to him. Mm. In that season, I didn't surrender my pain. I wasn't running out to God and saying, God, this circumstance happened in my life. Like I am so full of pain. Like, would you heal my heart? God, right. you are my father. You are, I'm going to run to find a, a spiritual mentor in the church. Even though that church hurt me, I'm going to not going to believe that every single church is going to be bad or every single leader is going to going to do this or mi- misrepresent God or the Bible. I had that opportunity. I didn't do that. Did you, know? you find yourself questioning all spiritual leadership because your dad is the one that, or or you didn't go you didn't go down that road? I think it was, I think it was more like, why would I be a Christian, and why would I serve God when I've seen my parents or ex leaders serving God, quote unquote, right, serving God, doing all these things, but then 
they fall into sin. Does sin doesn't stay with just one person? Sin affects other people. Affected mm-hmm. all of us, and so I was just more disgusted at the fact of like I don't want to be anywhere close to okay. that and call myself a Christian, and hurt people in that manner and say, mm-hmm. oh, I am a, I am a Christian or yeah. a believer or whatever. And so it was more of that. It wasn't a mistrust of all spiritual leadership. Okay. It was just the whole framework of like, yeah. I, I, my 15 years of my life was like in the church and I don't, you know, what great, great did that do me, you know? Yeah. So, um, really came to a couple of years of, of pain and brokenness. And then, um, you know, it was really interesting. My high school year, um, uh, two of my sisters had already moved off to California. I had a younger brother and sister, and my parents were like, we know this is funny. We know you're graduating soon. We feel like we're supposed to move to Mexico. We would love you to come with us. Uh, we're going to take your little brother and sister. We're just going to work there. We're just going to, I don't know. It's like the time in our life to go do that. And I'm sitting there paralyzed. and like, we would love you to come with us. You're almost finished with, it was like April of my senior year. Um, and so we went down there, and I, I went down to Mexico, and I was like, I can't just follow my parents to Mexico. Like I can't like, I'm like normal people are supposed to be going to college and universities yeah. and was all this. Was it like just I, to live or like, like it, just I, I, cheaper life or like, was there a call there? Was there a, I think it was a change. If I'm being honest, something fresh and new, maybe I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's what it was. It ended up being, they still have some of the lifelong friends. There was an amazing church down there. Like some of their lifelong friends out of that season uh, five, six, seven years of living there. But I was like paralyzed. I was like, I, I can't go do that. Like I can't, can't go move with my parents. And so I was like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to continue to go to, um, uh, college here. I'm going to work here. Um, and again, the Lord uses pain for right. a purpose. Um, I had a really significant, um, health issues after my parents had moved, they moved maybe six months prior, um, significant health issues. I was in and out of the hospital. I mean, it was like, it was so significant, you know, I really? won't go into details, but tons of testing, tons of like the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with me. And they're already gone. Right. So they're you're already like kind of sort of dealing with I'm this. renting a room from uh, my coworker's daughter. Uh, so it's like, I'm working, I'm going to like, community college, like all my friends that I was partying with, like kind of moved on. So mm. I'm kind of like go to work and come home and like lonely, yeah, still like, broken, like life is this? still not really pursuing the Lord. There still is like a drawing, but there wasn't, um, an active, like relationship with God. Right. So anyways, a lot of sickness, a lot of pain. And one day my mom calls me up and she's like, Kiersey, I I think you need to just move to Mexico. Let us take care of you. I'm like, no, I'm an adult now. I should be, you know what I mean? Like I just didn't want to run back to mom and dad. Um, but again, things got pretty bad with my health. And so I ended up moving to Mexico. And again, it's, it's the whole thing is that the Lord loves us so much that he will redirect our paths even in a different environment in a different season so that he can get a hold of our heart. And, and I, mm-hmm. I see firsthand how he used that season, not just of pain emotionally 20 something years ago, but then he used physical pain in my life to move me to a place that he wanted me to go to. And so I've seen God weave that in my life, his purpose mm-hmm. of pain. And we think, God, if you're so good, why would you allow us to, right. to have pain? Right. But, but it's one of those things where it's like, obviously God doesn't want us to walk in pain, but, he, but because he is so good and big, he can use those things in our life to move us in the trajectory, to move us in the path that he wants. And so I get to Mexico and kind of rest. And then I end up working um, at a resort where my dad is um, in timeshare. And What um, city were you in? Uh, Cabo. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Suff- pretty suffering. Rough, pretty R- rough, rough place, life. right? Right. No, get mom and dad, two. I don't want to move. <laughs> right. Get up into every day and then just go. Um, okay. But here, here was like, what, the how old marking, are you at this point? Uh, 18. 
So you had done a little community months. college mm-hmm. already. Yep. Okay. About nine months after I'd graduated, I think. Okay. Um, and, and here's where, again, you know, I went to church with my family and, and that's where I think I saw such authenticity. There were, there were Americans, Canadians, um, Latinos there. Like there was a whole meshing pot of a church there and it was such a vibrant community. Like mm. we all got together all the time. Like it was probably the first time where I'm like, Oh, like these Christians are real. They have gone through hearts that they are like, you know what I mean? Like, I think I'd moved past that pain as well as it was probably the first season where I now entered into to health, true health, like with my father. And again, probably, okay. probably that was the Lord's plan. Um, and that was the first time that I actually, I think cause a lot of stuff was removed and I see it now as God's plan for my life to like remove me from, you know, the things I was numbing myself from and distractions. Um, I always say like Mexico Cabo is like, is the place where the Lord healed me. And mm. like, I, I've gone back there on vacation. There's like something so um, significant about what God did in my life in that season. Um, That's amazing because a lot of people go to Mexico to sin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, hey, you know. I mean, you Cervezas, know. Cervezas, you know. Yeah. Right. So God used this this city yeah. in this time. Yes. And it sounds like not just a healing with your dad, mm-hmm. but your parents, but uh, but just like a genuine community. A spiritual, and, a, yeah, and, like, a, and a spiritual healing. I think... My my um my framework of believers of Christianity was changed as well as my framework of God that that God is good. I thought, God, if you were good, why would you allow this to happen to my family? Why would you allow me to feel this kind of pain? But even my understanding of God is so different where he's not gonna control people and control situations right. like humanity, free will, free choice. And obviously he grieves. He doesn't want his children, he doesn't want me to experience pain or other people to experience pain. But he is able to come into a new way. I was able to understand God the Father as, um, as a, as as a father, right? Through that, that that comfort, that healing, that hiding under the shadow of the wing, the nearness of His presence. Not even in a church service. I would be sitting at the beach, and sometimes after work, I would just go to the beach, and the nearness of His presence, of just sitting and watching the watching the waves over and over, and just it, I felt like what I felt like the picture was was just the mercy of God like pouring over me and his redemption pouring over me. All the the shame and the guilt of Kirsten, you should have known better. Like you're a pastor's daughter. Like why would you go sin and live in rebellion and do those things in relationships for, you know, those three years? Um, and and I felt like it was such a restoring season where hmm. where God was like, I don't see you in that light. I don't see you as shameful, Kirsten. I don't see you as sinful, Kirsten. And it was like this this true for the first time I had a relationship with the Lord but for the first time adult life such a sincere and genuine relationship with the Lord not based on family or other people Mm. and it was it was a time in my life where the Lord just met me in such a real way and then fast forward even just just a few months I remember standing in my bathroom getting ready for work it's like the humidity is like crazy you couldn't even like put on makeup mascara anything and I'm like still trying to like at least look presentable for work and I'm like, you're not doing anything spiritual. And this is kind of what I love about God is like, he wants to talk to us when we're not doing spiritual right, stuff. Right? right. And so I think also, you know, you put a God in a box and you're like, well, this is how God speaks at a conference or, you know, here. Yeah, yeah, and God's right. like, I'm, I'm going to break that like mindset. I remember like trying to put mascara on and I'm in my bathroom. I can like literally see the exact room huh. trying to put on makeup. It's melting off because of humidity. <laughs> it's like July humidity is level like a thousand hundred, whatever, you know, crazy. Um, and I just, it was, it was the clearest, you know, some people were like, Oh, I hear the audible voice of God all the time. Like, I'm like, 
do you really? really? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I have oh, yeah, you know, and it was, it's not like this audible voice that was like Kirsten, like this voice coming out, but it, it was the, it was the clearest words of mm. God that I had ever spoke. And it's that story of Esther, you know, where she's like, um, Mordecai's coming to her and he's like, you have to save the people. You have to go before the King. You have to do this. And she's like, who am I? I'm just a young girl. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I have no qualifications, right? That whole wrestling. And Mordecai comes to her and he's like, you know, you were called for such, such a, time a time as, as this. this. And it literally like, I don't even know. And I'm like sitting, I'm like, that's a weird, like, I'm called for such a time as this. Like, I'm not trying to do anything spiritual with my life right now. And it was like this, like, like open door in my spirit of like, maybe God wants me to do something different. Maybe God wants me to, again, my framework or I'm like, I swore at this point, I'm never going to be a pastor. I'm never like, I might be a Christian now, but I'm never going to do all those things. Yeah. And it was this framework where I just like the Lord was using it like Kirsten you are called for such a time as this. You have had pain in your life. You had have brokenness. You have had sin in your life. You have had restoration, but I dealt with that. And now I'm bringing you into something new. And it was just shortly after that. Again, remember I said, I, I always came to um, our, the youth conferences, GU conference, big conference here growing up. And there was always an invitation, come to Port Portland Bible college. And my parents were always right. like, that would be a great thing for you. And I'm like, Bible college, uh, -uh. like right, not my right. jam. I like go to go to California marketing, whatever. Um, and I get home from work one day and I, um, I it was so funny. I open up a laptop and I literally felt the Holy spirit, um, be like, open up the website to Portland Bible college. And I'm like having this internal wrestle. And I'm like, I already said, I'm like not doing anything spiritual Careful. like that. Careful right. Exactly. You're not gonna do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I literally opened up the website and, and the Holy spirit was like, you're going here. You're going here. And I, 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 I like my hands are on the keyboard and I'm sitting in the kitchen, um, the kitchen table. And my mom is in the kitchen and I'm making dinner or something. And it was just this like Holy Spirit just coming over me. And I just like sense this like he has he has something for me. No, so in that time, was there like a church service you went to or some preacher that was like, consider being in ministry no. like no, there wasn't somebody I went to church weekly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yep. there wasn't like a, a thing where somebody's like, you sh no. should you be a pastor? It no. was like legitimately God yeah. starts speaking a yeah. ministry call yeah. out of like nothing. In my bathroom, trying to put on mascara in the humidity of Cabo, <sighs> right? Oh, wow. And I, I put in an application and here I am. I'm like, oh, the school's going to, year's going to start. Like, there's no way I'm going to be accepted. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to put an application and maybe something. I didn't even know who to put. They want you to put references. I'm like, I have no spiritual references. Like, you know, I'm at this little town in Cabo and little church. And um, I remember getting an email from the dean, Ken, Ken Malman, and he's like, you're accepted. You seem like an amazing <laughs> candidate. And I'm like, you don't even know my story. Am I, you actually let me in. Anyways, um, got accepted. And honestly, with like fear and trepidation, I was excited because I felt like the stirring of the Lord for something new. But I was mm. also, there was this fear in me. There was this fear of me. I'm going to go to a Bible college with perfect people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Perfect other Christians that haven't made other mistakes. Somehow it's going to come out. Kirsten and her sin and Kirsten and her relationships and Kirsten, everything that she's done. And there was this like self-preservation. And I get on the campus. Um, my mom, you know, helps me do the dorm shopping and all this stuff. And then she flies away. And I have this moment in my dorm room. And like everybody's moving in and they have their buddies and they're all, you know, so excited. And this moment of of such paralyzing fear where I'm like, if people find out my past, I, I actually had this thought, will I be kicked out? Like really? not for anything active I'm doing, but I, I, again, I think it was the voice of the enemy in regards to that, that question, the doubt, right? The enemy yeah. always speaks not, not in like 
um, he, he speaks in questions and doubt, right? He questions the word of God. He questions, mm-hmm. did God really say that? Does it with Eve? And that was that question, Kirsten, if people find out who you really are, what you've really done, you're not very far removed from that season. If people find out you're not going to be accepted here, you're going to be asked to leave and it's going to be more shame. It's going to be more brokenness. You're going to have to go run back to your parents. And I had to like, um, I had to dig in through that fear and dig in and say no, like, and bring myself back to what was the last thing God spoke to me. The last thing that God spoke to me, that specific word was Kirsten, you are called for such a time as this. And I had to keep huh. going back to that word. Like my flesh was like, I, I'm not worthy to be here. Like, you know, the comparison and all of that. I was going to say, you, you use the term paralyzing fear. Yeah. Did you just kind of say that? Or was that like real? Oh, real. So, so because I think that this is what people need to hear sometimes is like, you can say things, but like, you know, when somebody really means something they're saying and people are experiencing stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So just give us a little glimpse into like a day in that specific season. Like, what do you mean by paralyzing fear? Like you were literally frozen up, like. What I can't let anybody find out or like how how did that feel? What did that look like? I think it was there was an openness to God. I want to give you everything God. I want to give you my life but self-preservation the fear that paralyzing fear I don't want people to know my weakness I don't want them to know my shortcomings and so as humanity right our flesh kicks in and we self-persevere like you know what I mean like self-preserve um and I I think I wanted to keep everyone there at arm's length I remember the dean um saying you know hey you're a new freshman you know can mom and let's let's come have a meeting and I was so ter- terrified he's gonna start asking you yes, accountability questions it, yes that it wasn't about like what do you think God has for you I was so terrified that it was going to be like tell me all your sins tell me all this and then i was like and you're just missile paper um what's crazy is some people they're like living like however they want to live in front of people mm -hmm. but they're hiding from god Mm -hmm. and then for some of us sometimes we actually have found the forgiveness between us and god right but now we just hide everything in front of people right and and that's the the tension so so in this season like by this point you you and God are good. Mm-hmm. Like you know he's right. with you. But but what about the people? Mm-hmm. I can't let them find out. And, and so so how did you proceed? I mean to be honest that was You just was made a, a decision like I'm going to go back to the word that was spoken. Right. I I have to go back to the specific word. The last thing that God spoke to me, not that I don't have daily devotions with God. The Lord speaks to us like every day or in every way, right? He can show up in random places, not just services. But when those moments of paralyzing fear came, and that's why I've even known as um, as I'm maturing in my faith, right, um, is to go back. What was the last thing God spoke to me? And that is what I stand on. Mm-hmm. And that is what I move move forward in. Um, and here's the thing is the tactics of the enemy is the same. Mm-hmm. He knows our weaknesses and he's going to go after us. There's a general way that he goes after right. us. Fear, distraction, comparison. But he, oh, he's sneaky, right? The enemy right. of our soul. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what is going to cause us um, to not move forward in the things of God. And so the way he's going to go after you, Craig, is going to be different the way he goes after me. The way he goes after me is my heart. And so because I was so wounded years ago by that situation with my father, and now I'm in this circumstance filled by Christians, I think, and there there were wounding conversations even by other students there, by even other perceptions of me, little whisperings here and mm. there. I remember um, Dylan and I were talking, I think it was Facebook, was it? 
Facebook? <laughs> I don't. MySpace. It was MySpace. No, it wasn't. It was, was MySpace. It? Right before it ended. Oh my gosh, he just confirmed it. We would message back and forth on MySpace because no. we didn't have like you know each other's numbers and liked each other. I remember even someone saying um, she was supposed to be a leader in my life in that dorm. Um, and I had opened up to a couple people there because I was like, I, I want some healing or like, this is my story. And I remember when they found out that I was interested in Dylan, um, someone coming to my room and she made this statement that says, given your past, I don't mm. think you should pursue Dylan. Wow. Given your past. Given your past. And it was. Oh, so I'm still that. Yeah. Oh, so what you're saying yes. is I'm still that yes. person. Yes. Yes. And so why I recognize it wasn't this person's intention to wound me. But because that's a sensitive area for right. me, because I'm a heart person, like, you know, if you know Kirsten, then so different, right? You know, Kirsten, now my heart is for relationships. My heart is like, I want to be the most sensitive person ever. Like I walk into a room, I can feel, I can sense, I can discern. Like, you know, even, I know that's a gift of the Lord, but it's also a weakness where the enemy wants to use where you're wounded by someone and then you begin to push people away. And so there were seasons um, when I was in college where, you know, there was, opportunity for me to close my heart down again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. opportunity to say no 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 no. I, i'm i'm gonna back up from this but continue to move forward and i felt like it's like if i could give a picture of what my time like in bible college was like it was you know in a surgery table it's like someone is just laid out and it's like you know sometimes you just go in for heart surgery or you know i don't know jessica's here she knows all the medical terms you know mm -hmm. it's like you usually just go in for one surgery right i felt like those couple years where i was constantly on the surgeon's table which is the lord and he was just like kirsten i want to do such a deep work in you i don't want to just work on your heart i don't want to just work on this one area your mind like he's like i want all of you like i want everything and again i didn't know now what i know then that god was saying like I got to remove some stuff so that I can build the right in. I got to take some pain away so that I can put in grace. I got to, mm. I got to remove some of these things. And so, um, you know, ended up getting married to Dylan, love of my life. After college? Um, uh, yeah, after college. after college. I mean, there was a line of about 75 of us in line, but somehow I won out. Um, and, uh. You know, we got married and felt like it's the accent. It is, no, it's the baby blues. It's the baby, baby blues. blues. It's the accent. It's the tree of sometimes life. Sometimes green. Um, when I make him mad, I try not to do that very often. Um, anyway, so so but then you get a degree from yeah. a Bible college, and so now you're perfect. No, now you're just like you have a piece of paper, and you're like <laughs> supposed to know the Bible, and you're kind of like I don't. Yeah, now know, there's this new pressure right? of like, oh, I'm supposed to be mature now and yeah. be a teacher, be a leader, be no. a like. <laughs> no, you're still struggling with it. You're like, you just don't even know like the next step. Right. So don't I get married? Fast forward a little bit. Don't I get married? I felt like God asked us to stay in, in Portland, even though my family was in Mexico, his family was in Australia. We're kind of like, God, those are good choices. Like, yeah. you know, I, beach life, like we're, right. we're beach people. Give us the sun of the beach. Like that's what we right. want to do. And God's like, no rain. Rain, I've called you to rain, Portland. Like, you know, get rain, your rain amongst other things oh, here in Portland. Yes, <laughs> I know. Wild, wild. Right. Um, anyways, and, and, you know, we had this conversation. I, I was working at the church as an admin that time, right? Right. I told God, I'm not going to be a pastor, but I'm like, okay. I can do admin. I can run events do this yeah. and that. Uh, Dylan and I were married. Work with the paper, not the people. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's easy. It's yeah. cleaner yeah, that yeah, way. Easier, you yeah. have walls, you have yeah, boundaries. Exactly. My husband was working for a big financial firm, um, at that point. Um, and we were just kind of found ourselves like in, in college you're supposed to serve and then kind of found ourselves like serving in kids and we started serving in youth and so here we are married we're serving in youth and now we've like kind of grown in leadership they're like will you be like not on staff but like team leads and we're like sure okay like right we're still not pastors and then you know a year or two into marriage 
maybe a year into marriage, they come to Dylan like, we want you to like be a youth pastor. We're both like, like, no, like, and, and you're also like, what do we know? Like, mm-hmm. how, how are we going to lead people? We're just like <laughs> young, dumb and love and broke and trying to figure this yeah. out. Um, and, you know, eventually through the wrestlings of God that, you know, we get to deal with, um, stepped into youth pastoring. But even through, even through there, you know, just seeing God work through that. I think God brought me out of a season of pain and brokenness. And then that, that season of youth pastoring was fleshing out the fear of man. I think that would mm. be the other marker of my life was a season of pain and brokenness and letting the Lord meet me and surrendering that pain and brokenness to him to, so that he could bring purpose. But the other marking I feel like, um, I've had to move through is crippling fear of man. Mm. And it's funny. I told you that girl a couple of years ago was like, you've never been through anything hard or it's just so natural for you to go up and preach. I'm like, Oh honey, no, 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 no. Like I remember, um, I wouldn't preach as often. Obviously Dylan, you know, uh, would preach way more often. I remember so many times, uh, that I would preach as a new youth pastor and it was like, um, bombing and I'm not like, you know, self-deprecating, but I'm like, I bombed. Like it was like, I, I remember one night <laughs> coming home. preacher no, humility. Like no, 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 no. Dylan's not it yet. You did terrible. I, yeah, did. yes, <laughs> yes. And it's okay. I can't say it now, but I remember, and it wasn't just like once, it was like continually bomb, bomb, bomb. And again, the voice of the enemy was like, you can't be doing this. You're not good enough. Like your husband, nobody wants to listen to you. Like I felt like Moses mumbling. Yeah. Like I, I felt like that was like, wow. I can't get my words out. Like I love the Lord and I have a thought, but between my thought and communicating, I would always get so jumbled. And so I felt so insecure. I felt so inadequate. I felt like I had to like live up to like pastoring with my husband. Well, a, lot, a lot of other professions too, people get to practice, succeed or fail. And it's, it's not so much in front of people, right? but for a pastor or a preacher specifically, when you fail, mm-hmm. it's in front of hundreds. Mm-hmm. And right. now, and so now there's a social yeah, component, yes. fear, yes. embarrassment, whatever, yes. where you're, you don't necessarily have the, the ramp to practice yes. something or, or you're throwing you know, the deep end. Yeah, you're, you're throwing, throwing the deep end. And so I, I come home one night and this has been after multiple times of like bombing and Dylan's like, it's okay. You're going to do better next time. And I'm going to coach you and still bomb, bomb, bomb. I walk through the door. It's like 1045. We're in our house and I'm just sobbing. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the stairs. I'm like, I'm throwing a, I'm throwing a hissy fit. I'm sobbing. I'm like, woe is me. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. You can youth pastor and I'll just meet with the girls. Like I'm, yeah. it's, it was embarrassed. Like, you know, <laughs> and sweet husband was like, you need to get some sleep. Yeah, it's okay. This is an area you need to grow, but you need to get some sleep and we'll talk tomorrow. And I'm like, I just, I never want to, I don't want to show my face next Wednesday. Like it was like, you know, when you get done preaching, like I want to crawl into the pew. It was like that times a hundred. And like that, like so marked me. And again, I think it was one of the ways of the enemy wanting to illuminate fear. Again, like you said, like sometimes you get to like fail in front of like five. No, when you're failing in front of hundreds of people, um, you know, it was just, it was, wild and it was a many year journey i remember many years of us even being youth pastors and again we're leading the conference and involved in thousands of people coming once a year and you would think we have it all together you would think that you know I'd go up and MC with my husband you would think like wow she did a great job and come in front of a few thousand people and exhortation this was great they didn't know that i was like so wrestled with fear so crippled mm. with fear that it wasn't out of like the heart to um minister it was out of the heart to minister but but it was more out of the fear of man. Huh. Um, and even like pulling myself off preaching, I would be like, oh, Dylan, let's the other women preach. Let's raise up some others because I would want to pull myself back. And again, it was the um, self-preservation, the fear of man. 
Um, so did you heal by getting better or did you heal a different way? No. I've actually told my husband this story. We were in California, um, and a, a lot of times, you know, Dylan was traveling a ton in that season, and I was just the wife that would come along, and that's great, like, great that I get to travel with my husband, and I remember one time, um, Dylan is preaching a fabulous message. He's one of the best communicators I know, my favorite preacher, um, and it wasn't even that I was, like, um, jealous or upset that I'm not preaching. I'm, I'm sitting there. He's like getting ready for, he's like the end of the crescendo of his message and the altar calls getting ready. And the enemy was literally like, you better never step up again. You'll never be like your husband. You'll never be a communicator like him. You'll never be able to lead people to the feet of God. You'll never be. And it was, it was almost like you just showed your hand. Like I, I literally went home that night and it was like, I didn't even tell my husband for a long time, but it was like, I was like, you're right. I won't. And so it was this double-minded of like the enemy showed his hand of like, oh, you really don't want me using my mm, mouth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But as well as like I had to wrestle through that. And then it was just this this constant like um, wrestling through like the obedience of like, Lord, you've called me to this. I don't feel qualified. And I am bombing, like bombing, right? But right. my responsibility and what, what the Lord had to ingrain in me in that season. And I wish that season was six months. It was more like six years. Wow. A long, long season, but what what the Lord had to ingrain in me was um, that my responsibility is my obedience. The responsibility is not the result. My responsibility right. is not the result. Whether I feel like I do great, that doesn't give us permission to not prepare a message or right. not prepare, right. or use our gifts right. and like work on them. Right. But I had to come to a place because I I will put in the work. Like my nature, I'm Type A. I will do the work. But I had to learn, like, Lord, whatever you're asking me to do, my only responsibility as your daughter, as a daughter of God, is to be obedient. Mm -hmm. And if I am obedient, you are pleased with me. You Mm -hmm. are going to say, well done, my good good and faithful servant. I may walk off and nobody responded to an altar call. Or I may walk off and feel like I bombed. But if I can walk off and say, God, I I did my best and I was faithful and, and Lord, I just hope as a daughter, you're pleased that, that began to pull off the fear Mm. that began to pull off just like any kind of pressure that I think I put on myself of people's perceptions or who I should be or the standard that I should be at. And then it was like a year and a half, you know, um, we would run camps and conferences and, uh, you have pastors and preachers come in and prophetic people. Um, and, you know, you usually as the people you running it, like you don't get prophetic words or all this stuff. They're usually mm-hmm. there, like speaking over kids, um, and three different events in a row. P- uh, the the people would call a lot of you know Dylan and I would come up on stage, and, but the specific word that was spoken over me is that I've been a Moses and I'm not to pass on to the Aaron, and the, the and then another uh-huh. person would say. The, you've had a muzzle on your mouth. <laughs> the enemy has put a muzzle on your mouth and the Lord is now taking it off. And wow. it took three different specific words, all about Moses, about wow. his stutter, about not able, the fear of not able to using his words. And that is what I felt is I'm like, God, I, I'm not a good communicator. I can't use my words. That fear, that comparison was huge in my life. And the Lord, again, it was his, his wow. graciousness and kindness to kind of continue to pull that back. And it, it was a it was a good six year journey of like trusting God, learning what obedience over results meant mm-hmm. and breaking off the fear man. And just because I say breaking off the fear man doesn't mean I'd never struggle yeah, with right, it. Right. What it means is that I now know how to position my heart when I go in front of anything. I do anything. I'm asked to do anything. I, I constantly say to myself, even preaching at our own church, like we're the campus pastors there at a significant sized church. 
I, I constantly like, Lord, my result or my responsibility is obedience. It's not the result that that is all I'm responsible right. for. And I continue to position my heart and when I continue to position my heart. It takes the pressure off of you have to be at this level or, you know, even I could look at my life and be like, yeah, I travel. I do women's conferences. I got to go travel places. But if I'm comparing and saying, well, I'm not at a Christine Kane level, mm -hmm. I'm not at a this person's level. Who who am I? Like right. you can play that comparison game forever. I had to almost like put blinders on yeah. and focus on my yep. lane. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people need to work through and wrestle through yeah. wrestle through in a good way right is we we can get so distracted and this it's is huge. what i mean that th this is what the enemy does if he can't get us to do like these bad things he'll distract us and if we're so focused on what other people are doing wow look at right. them and and it might even be admiration look right. at what they're doing and good things yes yeah. but if we're distracted by what everyone else is doing we'll never take the time to say but lord who have you made me to be like right. we can have admiration but you can look and you better not stay there. You have to come back and say, God, who have you made me to be? And the responsibility is obedience in the season. And I think even my encouragement for anybody listening to this is everybody has a call of God on their life. Right. Everybody has a purpose. I don't care if you are a nurse. I don't care if you're in the entertainment industry. There's a, there's a specific purpose of God for every single person. And at the end of our life, we're only responsible. Did I walk out the call of right, God in my life? It. And did I unearth the gifts that he has put inside of me? Because each one of us have different gifts. But it's like, it's like you know, my kids are always like digging in the dirt. And they're like finding out the rocks that are like cool gems way down below. But that, that's what it's for us right. as believers. It's not just like God's like, one day it's like we're really strong in our faith. And he's like, here's your seven gifts. Right. Or here's your two right, things. Right, exactly. It's, it's our responsibility to, and, it, and it's broken down to the daily. Um being being obedient to his word okay being sensitive to the holy spirit and when you when you begin to break it down to the daily instead of being overwhelmed what's my purpose and what does god want to do for me you begin to break it down to the daily of god in this season right now mm -hmm. what are you saying to me because god might be saying hey kirsten i want you to work on your pain and brokenness i didn't right. know that 20 years later he's gonna bring me to a place where now i get to speak about the freedom of god i get to speak about you know you don't have to be stuck in this pain you know god has something more right. i didn't know god was gonna do that but being responsible in that season uh, what god is saying and that's how god begins to bring you into what he has for you um, so when we respond to that such a huge, such a huge thing. I was going to ask you like, Hey, can you give people some practical, <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. And it, it's like, there's a few words that this culture doesn't really like, like one's authority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like authority. Right. Uh, one is obedience. Yeah. Oh, it's just legalistic. Yes. Well, no, actually like obedience is, is it. Yeah. And, uh, when you're, when you're trying to do something that's that's bad, obviously shouldn't, sinful mm -hmm. shouldn't. Right. But it's like you hit on like so, so many of us, especially because of social media, because I can now see when when Dylan's traveling yes. and getting preaching gigs, yes. and I can see when this person's doing this or that right. other thing. And well, I want to do that. Right. And then and then it it comparison jealousy it tears up your own soul. It's cancer to you. Right. And then if you're not careful, you start doing things to try and get their results. Mm -hmm in a different way than you would normally do it. And the grace is it. not on you. And the grace the is not grace on you for that. Yeah. And so I 100% agree with you though. The season that I'm in right now is, is the fruit of obedience. Yes. It's not the fruit of anything else because mm -hmm. all, you know, all, when I blew up online, it was because I 
six months after yes. I said, Lord, what do it you want me to do? It wasn't one day. No way. It was what you've been doing months and years beforehand. Yeah. Well, and specifically for me, it was you. Yeah. The Lord said, I want you to just show people how to read the Bible on YouTube and mm-hmm. I want you to do it every day in 2020. And then he said, I don't care if more than one person watches. Mm. I want you to do it every day. Yeah. So I did that for six months every day with hardly anybody watching. Wow. And then I got on TikTok and, and, and it blew up. But I had built uh, the way and the tools and all that. But most of all, what I had built was learning what obedience was. Right. And honestly, I could say after at that point being a pastor for 15 years, mm-hmm. there was I hadn't really learned the lesson of like long-term obedience to right. something that you didn't see fruit in. Yes. That's the thing is yes. we're, it's pretty easy to obey when you see something good that you want to see. You want Amazon prime results, two day yeah. results, right? Yeah. Microwave fast mm-hmm. food, but to be obedient to something God speaks to you, even when you're not seeing the results and you hit it, you said success is not, or the results are in his hands. Yes. Obedience is in our hands. Yes. And so, man, I love that. Thank you for sharing your story. This is conversations in contrast. And so the first part is let's talk about your pain and your brokenness. And the second part is I want to talk about something awesome. <laughs> and so I texted your husband yesterday oh and asked him and, and uh, <laughs> I'm assuming he didn't share anything with you. But I said, what, what are some of the things you love most about her? Mm. And believe me, I have a novel, mm. a whole novel. But I wanted to ask you about one specific thing that he talked about because I'm just interested. And uh, and so this is the part of the podcast where I'm asking you not to be humble. Ugh. Okay, just we we know now. So don't be humble. Tell us. He said that you're one of the most hospitable people that he's ever met in his mm. life. And you actually talked about, man, when I enter a room, I'm like really discerning. There's some, there's some God gifting there of like, mm-hmm. how's everybody feeling all this? But what is what did he mean when he said that? What do you, what do you, what's real in, inside of you in terms of hospitality? And it's like not really a spiritual gift that people normally think of, oh, preaching, prophesying, mm-hmm. healing. But I've actually come to understand that the specific idea of hospitality goes back to Abraham mm-hmm. and it's it's very Hebraic and in the in the very nature of God's family and his plan from the very beginning is just hospitality this unspiritual thing Mm -hmm. and so if that's something that is like at the core of who you are and you excel in tell us about that and and like what 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 does that mean for you how are you thinking about people and and atmospheres and what does that lead you to do well I I think um my mom was a great example. Uh, you know, we hosted a lot growing up and she always thought about, you know, the decorations and thought about the food and thought about the environment. And so I think I grew up in that culture and I, I think maybe I thought that was just normal. What's what you do? Not realizing like that's something that God had put inside of me again. Like you said, mm-hmm. I'm very discerning. I care a lot about the environments. I like feel all the things in environments like they're off or they're on. And I think um, also my heart for people is like, I want people to feel loved. I want them to feel seen. I want them to feel like when they walk into my home, like Kirsten has prepared that place. Does it mean that my toilets are always perfectly scrubbed? No, right. like you I got, got four, four kids. Little, right? You know, <laughs> um, I do my best. I do. Um, but when people come into our home, you know, last I told Dylan, I was like, we've been, I've been hosting and entertaining more this last month than I have in four years. Like, I want to set the table with linens. I want to like put out my special napkins, not like the like 99 cent ones from the grocery store. I want to set. Let me ask a question. What? You're, this is interesting because one of the things that you struggle with was fear of man. Yeah. I know a lot of people and, 
I, it seems sometimes maybe more women than men when it comes to their home. Yeah. They're wanting to be clean almost out of a fear. What are they going to think? But it doesn't, I can get the sense that that's where you're coming from. It, yours is more a positive motivation of love. I want yeah. these people to feel like there's a banquet. Is yeah. that really what it is? Yeah, I think that's what it is. And again, I'm wow. like, I've even had to grow in the comfortability. My pro- husband is probably nodding over there of sometimes people need to use our upstairs bathroom uh-huh. and they're going to see the kids bonus room. They're going to see yeah. the four loads, probably 14 actually loads of laundry that uh-huh. are on the floor. And I just have to be okay with that because I'm like, well, my focus was here. I'm not perfect and we don't have a maid, you know, yeah. unless someone wants to send one. Um, <laughs> but I want people to come into my home and I want them to eat a really yummy meal, even if it's as simple as like barbacoa tacos and homemade guacamole. Like, I may not be the fanciest cook, but I'm like, I'm going to feed you yummy food mm-hmm. and I want us to have time around the table. Like, um, table time is really important to yeah. me. Like we I had a meal with you guys yeah. once your kids were there. The art was on the walls, yeah. I think. And you know, it's like six nights out of the week. We're around the table. Like Beautiful. there is something so spiritual. I think people like negate, um, the role the table has in people's oh, yeah. lives. I know I, I think about back to your guys's table, the huge one that you guys built in your home, you covered it with scripture. Um, but I think there's something so supernatural and spiritual about tables and meals and conversations and the things that God can do, even when you're not talking about spiritual things, but the relationship right. that is formed, the things that are shared, the memories, um, all of those things. And so I just, I love having people over and I love being intentional um, of what's the menu going to be? How are they going to walk in? Do we have candles lit over here? Um, can what, are we have music on in the background. And again, am I perfect all the time? No, it's like, you know, last night we had people for dinner and the kids like jumped out of the pool like 10 minutes beforehand and they're like ratty hair and like throwing a wet towel. And it's like, it was a nice dinner, but I was like, that's okay. It's yeah. Summer kids are just joining us, you know? Um, I love that. So yeah, I just, I, lo- I, I love that in the context of, who you are as a pastor, even a preacher, a teacher of the Bible with a Bible degree that you see the spiritual value of not, you know, you're not preaching. It's just the community time, the feeding. So much of what Jesus did was around a table and in the midst of relationship. Well, that's cool. I was wondering as we close, um, number one, is there anywhere that people can find you, your book, if you're in the Portland area and you're looking for a church, tell us a little bit about that. And then I, and then I was, was going to see if you could say a prayer at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Dylan and I pastor at Manor House Church. We have five different locations. Um, Dylan and I oversee our Rocky Butte location. So again, if you're in the Portland area or want to come hang out, mm-hmm. we're at our Rocky Butte location at Manor House Church. It's, you know, it's again, the I north- know there's... North, east. North, North, Northeast, Northeast Portland, Portland, pretty close to the airport. Um, we're not a perfect church, but we're a church on a journey and want to go on a journey with other people. And mm-hmm. we absolutely love our church. So hopefully you'll come by and hang out with Dylan and I. Let us shoot us a message. Let us know if you're there. Um, I'm also at kirstenjones.com. My name is, it's a little funny spelling. Funny, <laughs> funny story. My husband, we were dating the first three months. He would spell my name wrong. I have to check cards. it. I have to check it almost every time yes, I write it. Like, literally. And yeah. so that's okay. It's K-E-I-R-S-T-N, but it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> uh, KirstenJones.com. I have a website and um, some booking there and, and uh, have book? my book available as well. It's called Design, Design Your, Your Life. Life. Yeah. And it just, yeah. again, that came out of just the Lord working in many seasons of my life yeah. and just wanting to put to paper again, my journey, not perfect. Am I perfect right now? Am I even where I want to be right now where God has called me? No, but I'm on a journey. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, this is what I've seen the Lord work. How did he work? 
uh, beauty out of ashes? How did he work faith out of fear? How did he work this? And so it's all these kind of like different seasons to help give people nuggets of like hope for their life. God can use your life. Again, not that I'm by any means like made it or arrived, but just if God can even use one person that could read my book and impact their lives right. and God can speak to them. I'm like, okay, that was, that was absolutely worth that, that year of obedience. So beautiful. Well, I, w- I wonder if you say a prayer and specifically for people that have been hurt mm. by leaders in the church mm-hmm. and the deep pain that people feel from that, because for some people it's, it's derailed mm-hmm. their faith mm-hmm. altogether. Praise God that you are where you are coming through that in light of the fact that so many people in our culture today, whether it's just because somebody from afar has fallen or they've suffered legitimate spiritual abuse themselves under somebody, but there's a lot of people that have that Mm -hmm. and deal with that. And so would you mind closing this in that way? Absolutely. Well, Father, I just, I first thank you so much for your your grace and Mm -hmm. your mercy and your kindness in my own life. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God that sees your kids, not as all of humanity, but Lord, you see the individual. You know, the individual that is even listening or watching right now, God, that may have encountered a season of pain, something that they've done, something that's been done to them. And God, they, they're they in that cycle of don't know how to break out of that pain, that brokenness, that sorrow. Father, I pray that you would meet them exactly mm-hmm. where they're at. Lord, you met me in the most obscure of places. I pray that you would meet them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would even just come upon their life, that you would break off lies of the enemy. Right. I pray that you would give them eyes to see what you can do. Even when we take our broken life that we feel like has no use. God, you can take our brokenness and you can bring bring beauty out of it. God, you can bring purpose. And so I do pray, Father, Lord, that you would mend the hearts that need mm-hmm. to be mended. Father, I pray, Lord, that um, Lord, that even as you begin to open up your arms, it would be like uh, that we would come under the shadow of your wings. God, be able to right. come and rest, come and just even find a place of safety for some, maybe for the first time in a long time, a place that they can rest and trust. Father, I pray, Lord, those that are far, I pray that your kindness would come and begin to draw them in, that your kindness would come and even lead them to repentance. I pray, Lord, that your healing power, not my prayer or the words of man, but your healing power would come. And Lord, hearts that are broken, lives that seem in their own mind and their own ability that are beyond repair, God, that you would come and do what only you can do, that you would restore, that you would bring to life, God, even dead bones, that you would bring new life. I think of Adam, you formed him from dust and you breathed breath inside of him. I pray that there would be your breath that would come inside people's lives, that they would actually feel the spirit of the living God come and waken up inside of them, bring them to life, bring them to healing. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you do have a specific purpose for every one of your sons and your daughters. And I pray that even through this podcast, that there would be multitudes of people that would come to know and even come to even understand what you have called them to do. And I pray that there would be men and women that would rise up. Lord, maybe they've been crumbling in fear like I was for so many years, but they would step out in faith and say, man, if God can use Kirsten, he can certainly use me. So God, Mm -hmm. I just pray, Lord, anyone listening, a 
spirit of faith, that there would right. be multitudes that would rise up and say, God, I don't have much to offer, but whatever I have, I'm giving it to you. So Father, we thank you. God, we even just pray mercy, um, traveling mercies over our sweet friends, uh, mm-hmm. Craig and uh, Jessica and the family, God, um, as they as they even just minister, Father. We thank you so much, Lord, in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kirsten. Mm, Thanks for joining us today, everybody. God bless you.